It's time for the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Michael is a speaker, author of two best-selling books, and the president of three financial companies. He's also a frequent guest on national media outlets such as CNBC, Fox Business, and Bloomberg. His passion is to help you live well in retirement. This is the Wealth and Health Show. Welcome in, everyone, to the Wealth and Health Show. My name is Michael Wall. I'm your host again this week, and we have a great guest, actually a couple guests, joining us live in studio and one from Kohler, Wisconsin, talking about a variety of different things with business and a company that most of you are going to be familiar with out there. Now, if you haven't heard us before, the Wealth and Health Show really is a show designed to talk about not only wealth, but health, different CEOs and professionals in the industry that have really done well over the years and share their stories of how they've gotten there, what they did to kind of create the success that they've seen and enjoyed. Also on the health side where we interview different doctors and holistic folks to kind of help us live well really in any economy and in retirement and in life and we're joined today in studio with Nathan Lehman he is the leadership talent manager for Kohler Kohler in Wisconsin and also we're joined by Rick Rellis and he is actually Nathan's boss he's been with Kohler for 30 years had quite an extensive career there and uh, Rick and Nathan welcome to the show thank you Michael glad to be here yeah, well, good. We're going to have a great show today, folks. And Kohler, if you're not familiar with, in fact, a lot of you probably, if you walk through your home or you go to you know, a nice resort somewhere, you've probably seen a lot of their products in those resorts. Kohler is a company that's been around since 1873. They have over 30,000 associates in the world and over 50 locations, really a global leader in a variety of different things. And it's just amazing some of the things that they've been able to accomplish over the years. So, Rick, do us a favor and kind of, we kind of wanted to start out initially and kind of talk about the idea of lessons learned from business experience. I know that you've had a lot of key roles with Kohler. You've been there a long time, over 30 years, or actually 30 years this summer, so congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, and, and tell the folks a little bit what your role has been, kind of how you got into the game, and, and that sort of thing. Sure, Michael. Well, I grew up in New York. I'm originally from Albany, New York, and I've had a variety of jobs in construction industry uh, early on. I was an insurance adjuster. My undergraduate degree is in marketing, and I worked for a concrete company, a regional company in New England. Started with Kohler as zone manager years ago, worked my way up through sales. I became vice president of sales in 1998, moved here to Wisconsin after being a number of places around the country before that in regional roles. I was vice president of marketing for our faucets business, which helped to grow that up to be a global business, global enterprise. Took over a position where I created our corporate accounts team, which is a global position worldwide. I ran a couple of businesses for us, kitchens business, general managed that, our cast iron business, general managed that. So I was fortunate enough to have those experiences and been working with Nate the last couple of years the Vice President of Leadership and Professional Development at Kohler. So that's been a great corporate function for me to be involved and touch all four of our businesses, plumbing, hospitality and real estate, power, and our interiors business. So uh, great experience. That's great. You know, it's amazing, folks, if you're not familiar, Kohler is really, as I mentioned, a global leader in a lot of different things. Kitchen, bath products, engines, power systems, furniture, really premium furniture, cabinetry, tile, um, and some of the finest five-star hospitality and golf destinations in Kohler and St. Andrews, Scotland, and, and that sort of thing. It's a, in fact, you guys have the old, uh, it's Whistling Straits out there, I believe. I've played that before. That's a tough course, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, we're hosting the PGA Championship here in August of this year again. So we're excited about that. That is exciting. And you guys have, uh, is it 2020, I think? You guys have the rights to the Ryder? The Ryder Cup. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the Ryder Cup will be played here at Whistling Straits in 2020 also. So really excited about that. Yeah, that's great. So a great brand, been around for a while, big company, 
And, you know, we wanted to talk about the idea of lessons learned from business experiences. You know, Rick, I know we've had the opportunity to have three different companies and do some great things over the time, but I've always been a big fan of the believer or the quote really that says, if you learn from defeat, you haven't really lost. That's from Zig Ziglar. And give us a little bit of an idea of some of the things and experiences that you've seen over the years, you know, kind of ups and downs, so to speak, that's caused you to say, you know, if somebody's a business owner out there, whether they're a multi-billion dollar company or a couple hundred million dollar company or, or even just starting out, what are some principles and some things that you've learned that they might be able to apply that kind of help them get where they need to go to that next level? Sure, Michael. I appreciate it. And I learned a lot of things over the year, and I think you should always be learning. And you do learn from defeat. I mean, success comes out of defeat. You learn a lot along the way. So I think the best leaders are always uh, inquisitive in an appreciative way, and you should ask that of your organization and your customers. That's how you get better. But I, I would think uh, one of the key things I've learned over the years you know, Michael Porter talked a lot about competitive advantage, and you typically have to have that to be a successful company, but you can't stray too far from what you're good at. It seems like you know, when companies overextend themselves, stretch themselves too far away from their value proposition for the customer, that's when they seem to get in a lot of trouble. And I think that's one of the things I've learned over the years. You know, figure out what you're good at, what you recognize, then be the best at it. I, love I think that. another yeah. thing, too, is, you know, I've learned in turnaround businesses especially is that there is no such thing as a root cause. You know, that gets a lot of press that, you know, what's the root cause? But rarely is there one thing that contributes to success or failure. I mean, both success and failure have a lot of contributing variables. And you really have to dig into things, look at things, not get paralyzed by the analysis, which is probably the third thing I've learned is, you know, you hear a lot about analysis and paralysis, but at some point as a leader, when you're running a business, whether you're in growth mode or you're turning around a business, you got to make decisions and you've got to act out of the analysis. Uh, and, and really, businesses and organizations want to see that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Jack Welch said, I never forgot, and I've preached this a number of times, that three things you got to manage in business to be successful are, number one, cash flow, number two, customer satisfaction, and third, employee satisfaction. But I think, you know, keep those three things top of mind in anything you're doing in business, and you can be successful. And I've always tried to keep those three things front and center. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I like the idea of staying focused, you know, and even if you have a couple of different divisions in a couple of different companies, as Kohler does, you're still in a situation where, you know, you can focus on really your niche, your market. And they've kind of, they've kind of catered, if you will, to some degree, the luxury market over the years. And that's kind of been their go-to. And that's been a good thing. By the way, folks, at any time, if you have any questions about Kohler in general, feel free to visit Kohler.com. That's K-O-H. L-E-R.com, and you can learn lots of information about the company, and again, some of the information founded all the way back in 1873, and just kind of a really neat story as one of America's oldest and largest privately held companies, so kind of a neat story there. Also, if you missed part of the show as we go through it or missed any previous segments, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com, and you can listen to some additional things. Rick, let me ask you this. In relation to working with, obviously, we're sitting here with Nathan. He's in office. I'm in the studio. I'm going to give him some thoughts to share. What have you found over the years that makes sense? Obviously, you're the vice president of leadership and professional development, so you're at a high level, and Nathan is as well as far as really developing these professionals and leaders in the company. Is it harder to work with leaders than it is just traditional people from your perspective? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, and I'm fortunate to be, you know, in this role having come up through the businesses. I'm not a traditional HR person. I came up through the businesses and can apply what I've learned, having to lead businesses through the years. But, you know, in a way, leaders can be a bit higher maintenance. They're always driven to achieve. They're always pushing themselves. And in a way, sometimes that can, that can get in the way of their future success because some have to try to do things themselves. 
Uh, we all know what micromanaging is about. There's a lot of statistics around that, but it does affect productivity. Uh, micromanaging, though, if things you know go astray while you're running a business, you know a lot of times leaders have a tendency to look inward, overplan, micromanage, shut things down, be too accountable with themselves. So sometimes it's hard to so the same thing that makes leaders successful along the way sometimes can get in the way when they get to the top and things get a bit overwhelming. But you know what? As I was saying earlier, it's better to to act than to overanalyze or you know beat yourself up about things as a leader. Uh, we always coach you know better done than perfect and try to work with our leaders and their development on that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and Nathan, I know that you work right in with Rick and kind of help in some of that coaching and that sort of thing is kind of training, building, and leaders in the company. What have you found over the years to be the case? I mean, obviously what Rick's saying makes a lot of sense, and I see that. And as you guys work together, what are the things that you have seen that's kind of been, you know, issues or things you've needed to navigate to allow you to be able to effectively train? Yeah, you know, I think it's a great question. One of the things that I recently heard on a video I was watching is the, the need for feedback, the need for people to hear the truth and something one person said at one point was are you willing or do you have people that are willing to speak the truth to power so do you have people that are going to tell you the truth when you need to hear it and i think one of the challenges that leaders often face as they move up in the organization is people less willing to give them feedback people less willing to help them understand where their strengths are and where the development areas are and so the more we can do that, the better. We'll get people really focused back on the things that matter the most. Yeah, so really being in a situation where you can have people around you, uh, to be honest with you. Rick, as you kind of grew through the ranks with Kohler and you managed a variety of different divisions, have you seen that? I mean, were there, did you kind of intentionally put people in your, in your space, in your life, to kind of help you stay on track, stay accountable, et cetera, whether it be in Kohler, external, that sort of thing as well? Yeah, no question. I mean, people, you've got to, you're only as good as your people. I'm fortunate to work with Nate. You know, he's one of the best people I've had, you know, opportunity to work with. But one of the things I love about him, he's very accountable. And we are talking about that in Kohler Company as being a key element in our culture. Leaders a lot of time are afraid to delegate. They get scared. They'll say an initiative is too important and they won't delegate. But if you know how to delegate and then if you know how to follow up and hold people accountable, that's very powerful. So, you know, there is a balance in there and how you do that. Holding people accountable is the balance of delegation if you do it right. You know, yeah, uh, people are willing to be accountable. And accountability is really just a, it's a personal willingness to answer for the outcomes of a situation that are produced. And leaders typically will be, and they'll be accountable for things like that. But sometimes those same leaders don't hold their people accountable. And you're really only as good as the people you have. Putting and surrounding yourself, folks, with the right people can help you get to that next level. We're going to talk next segment about success in the new economy. We're also going to talk a little bit later on different things as far as advice for different business owners. We're going to discuss that. This is important, folks. You're not going to want to miss it. You're going to want to hang around. This is, again, one of the largest private companies in America. Great story here. Great people on the horn, so to speak, with us. And last but not least, in the very last segment, you're going to want to stay around. We're going to talk about how to create a culture of excellence. You know, a lot of times people are in a situation where they have a business and I mentioned on a show previous, which I enjoy, you know, in today's culture, you know, the old service with a smile. And sometimes we're in a situation where a lot of companies lack the service, but uh, sometimes you don't even get to smile. <laughs> so, you know, we want to figure out how do we continue to create that culture of excellence? Obviously, Kohler has been, you know, renowned in the world as far as a company that has kind of gone to the next level. They've kind of always, again, been a premium brand. So we want to talk about how can you institute some of those principles and philosophies in the very end, you're going to want to hang around how to create that culture of excellence. But coming up next, we're going to talk about success in the new economy. So we're going to go to these commercials and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. 
With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com. And to see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review, call toll-free 866-943-2351. That's 866-943-2351. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back, folks, to The Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're here with Rick Rellis. He is really the Vice President of Leadership and Professional Development at the Kohler Company in Kohler, Wisconsin. We're joined also in studio with Nathan Lehman. He is also the Leadership Talent Manager for Kohler and great guys and really uh, predominant positions at Kohler to help train leaders across the country. We're talking, and across the world, really, we're talking this segment about success in the new economy. And, you know, I think if you're living today and you're breathing today, you know things are different today than they were three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, things change so fast. It's amazing to me. You know, you go out, if you publish a book, you know, I've had the opportunity to offer two best-selling books. And, and one of the things I know is those books have about a three-month shelf life and then they're done. So, you know, things move so fast today with the technology, with the internet, and just the way things are changing and moving. And as the economy changes, we see all the global demand. We see these new countries or these other countries that are kind of having a real growth spurt in their middle class and all these different things. It affects the way we do business. And, you know, I've been a big believer of the fact that regardless of the business you have, I love this quote, if you do the things you need to do when you need to do them, the day will come when you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. So we need to apply that to everything we do. And Rick, let me ask you this, in relation to how the economy has changed, what are some things you've seen, first off, domestically, and then we'll talk about globally, as far as just change in the overall economy? Yeah, well, Michael, you know, a lot of Kohler company business uh, looks to housing and the housing market for demand. And housing, you know, in the past led this economy out of recession a number of times. This last recession, the great one, if you, if you want to call it that, you know, housing kind of led us into it a little bit. So what's nice now, it seems like the demand in that sector is real. I know that's been different with, you know, the banks and regulation and folks having to really qualify in order to you know, get the American dream, get a house, et cetera. But with the demand we're seeing now and how that sector is building, it seems like it's real. And that's a good thing as people qualify. So that's different. That's a different fundamental in this economy going forward. And I, I think that's very positive. That's great. I think, you know, and it's neat to kind of have a little bit of a pulse on the direction you go as your business and, and have a litmus test. And of course, housing is a big part of that because, you know, you guys are providing product for those needs. How about globally? What are the things you've seen change globally as far as, you know, just today's world versus, I mean, you guys, Kohler, you guys are in 50 locations all over the world. So obviously you got a, a pulse on what's happening there. What have you seen in the global market? Well, that's, it's exciting. I mean, the global market, and it is a global market, and you could argue it's a global economy. You know, things are definitely different now. U.S. companies are repatriating a lot of earnings back, too. Um, so a lot of the earnings are abroad. That's a change. Everything with the economy seems to operate more on a global basis now. The demand is, you talk about everything these days, it's not on a regional basis. It's more on a global basis. And what, what I see is that the different countries are all 
you know, taking on different roles or regions are around the world. You know, a lot of factory jobs in China and a lot of work went there as, you know, wages and being able to produce in China. That was a, you know, fundamentally a functional step change. India, we're in India in a big way now and growing. Uh, that's a service type economy. That's different. U.S. and Europe, a lot of R&D, a lot of corporate functions there. And the United States and Europe are really still the biggest consumers on a world basis. Canada, Australia, raw materials. So you see just, you know, the different parts of the world are shaken out for their own roles on a global economy level. Everything seems to be interconnected today, and that's a great opportunity for businesses around the world. Things are really different. That's great. That's great. Nathan, what do you see as far as your developing managers and leadership, and et cetera, to work not just domestically, but, you know, all over the world and with different cultures, you know, as you travel to China and just interacting there? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we right. were talking about that and just kind of some of the changes there. What do you see as kind of a dynamic as training people and teaching people to be able to adapt to that? Yeah, well, it's a whole new skill set, right? It's it's being able to interface and interact with folks all over the world in different cultures. They have different experiences. They grew up different than we did here in the U.S. And you can't make assumptions about what they're like or what they want from an interaction. So you've got to be really self-aware. You've got to understand your personal perspective. And then you've got to learn about those cultures. And it's a big focus for us at Kohler, something that we try to do on a regular basis. And it's more and more necessary as the, again, the economy comes back and the global nature of things continues to develop. It's just going to be a necessity. So if someone is in a situation where they have a business or they're growing a business or they got a large brand and they want to be in a place where they want to really compete on a global market, what are some skills or things, Rick, from your perspective that people need to be looking at either to learn or, or to apply or, you know, kind of in other words, like what we talked about last show is putting the right people in your life. What are some skills people should be looking to get? Well, you know, I think Nate brings up a good point, too. First off, you know, as you travel abroad or as you're in other cultures, other nations, those markets are in different states of maturity. So we sort of have to forget about where we are in the U.S. or our U.S.-based, U.S.-centric outlook. You have to be sympathetic to that. And you, have to, you really have to be self-aware and have to provide some empathy. Try to live in the shoes of the folks in those countries. Our cultures are different. Their state of market maturity is different. And you have to have a real awareness of your effect on that. So I think that's number one. You have to do that. Number two, you've got to learn how to build trust with folks in different cultures around the world. And that, you know, and that takes time. Uh, you, you know, you have to be open, very open, be learning and, have, and be very respectful. And I think, you know, business owners learn how to do that as they engage in folks around the world in different ways, whether they're customers or it's for sourcing reasons, etc. You always have to be open and you have to be engaging and inspiring as much as you can. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I like the, uh, you know, we've all heard the thought of, you know, not trying to fit a round peg into a square hole, you know, and it just, Rick, it made me think of that when you said that from the perspective of too often, you know, depending on where, now obviously we're living with more and more cultured societies here, even in America, you know, the bigger cities and just a lot of European and just other fields. But unfortunately, we're still in a situation where I think some people are going to limit their growth because, as you said, they're not going to other countries and saying, hey, you know, we care about your traditions and what matters to you. Or they're going over there saying, hey, this is what we do. This is the way we do it. And we need you to buy this way. And you're basically going over being a sponge and very adaptable and saying, what works in your situation and what's right for you. And we're going to look to really uh, implement things and, and create solutions for you. Have you seen that, Nathan? Yeah, absolutely. That's a big part of what we're trying to do. And, you know, it's an interesting fact. A few years ago, Kohler actually switched over to having more people outside of the U.S. work for Kohler than inside the U.S. So we have a huge presence 
in Asia Pacific. We have lots going on there, certainly, as Rick was mentioning, developing in India. So, you know, there's no substitute to actually traveling, being in those places, learning from those folks, being humble and approaching them from that perspective and helping them understand kind of where we're at and how we can work together ultimately. I think that's great. And by the way, folks, again, if you have any questions as time move along or you've missed the first part of the segment, feel free to go ahead and visit leanonthewall.com, just like you're leaning on a wall. Also, if you have questions about Kohler at any time, if you want to get, a, get their background or their history or even just go tee off at Whistling Straits, you know, I'm sure you can find out information. Go to Kohler.com, K-O-H-L-E-R.com. And uh, let me ask you this, Rick. What have you seen initially, like as you kind of enter a new market, you know, you enter that new economy, so to speak, that new culture, and you enter that culture. What is the initial reaction? I mean, has it been positive? Is it something where people are saying, hey, come on in? Or is it, you know, kind of eh, a little uncertain? And then obviously, we know it takes time. But what does that initial reaction look like when you kind of enter that culture? Uh, it's a great question, Michael. And I say on the front end of things, we'll go on and look at it, do research, First on the market and knowing that, get in and then start talk to the customers or potential customers. And then thirdly, after that, after we've gotten there and applied some of the research and looked at it, we'll determine our, you know, our best way into the market. So whether we greenfield operations or we take a look at possible acquisitions, whatever the best way to get into that market is. I think a key to that is you got to adapt a little bit as you get there. What's been very good, a great learning for us is when we show up in another country and we don't have the brand awareness that we have in North America that we've built over time, and they don't know who you are. They're interested in your designs, your product, your quality, those sorts of things, but it's good. It's sobering for us to, hey, you know, they don't know who we are. You kind of got to earn your stripes all over again, and that's exciting. Yeah, it's challenging, too, and I think anybody out there that's a business owner, you know, one of the things they enjoy is just a flat-out challenge. You know, you're in a city, you know, I love the quote that says, you know, champions are not made on feather beds, and, you know, it's the idea of if you're in the arena, if you're in business, you know, you better be willing to get kicked in the teeth every once in a while. That's going to happen. It's part of the fight, but you got to get back up, and, you know, I think the beauty of getting up is loving what you do, knowing you're really bringing value to the market, knowing you're bringing value to a culture because you can do things better. I've always been a big believer of the fact that there's always room for one more you, whatever that company or whatever that you is in any market or in any economy, as long as you consistently do what you need to do to kind of pierce that fog and be exceptional. And folks, by the way, we're going to talk about uh, in the last segment, you're going to want to stick around how to create a culture of excellence. Nate, let me ask you this. In, in relation to initial reaction, you know, you're right there on the front lines as well as far as teaching people, connecting with people, shaking the hands, I mean, all kind of differences with culture, whether it be, you know, the water or the, the just, I mean, you know, all these different things that we take for granted of just day in, day out going over another another country. What do you see there as far as some things in interacting with people and trying to really bring them to the place of trust? Yeah, that's a great question, Mike, and, and a, a huge need if you're going to be successful in any culture. You know, I think on some levels, every human being on the face of the planet wants the same thing. And in that regards, I mean, they want to be respected. They want to be heard. They want people to know that they bring value in some way to the organization they're in, to their family, to the community, whatever it is. And I think if you just start from that as a starting point and just really respect people and understand that you're, you have a certain way of looking at things, it's not the only way to look at things, and go in with that humility, I think you'll see a lot of benefit and build that trust pretty quickly. Yeah, that matters. You know, I like, again, the idea of, you know, sticking to your vision. I mean, companies that have a mission statement or a vision, you know, you kind of stick to that vision, but you got to adapt your plan from time to time, right? I mean, it's just Absolutely. just something you have to do because, you know, things change. There's there's things out there in the culture, in the economy, in the market, the global market, et cetera, 
currency systems, et cetera, that you know you must adapt with to allow us to be in a situation where we can be successful. So next segment, folks, we're going to talk about advice for business owners. It's going to be something where we're going to dive in a little deeper and give you, those of you out there that are successful business owners or starting, whatever that looks like, some daily tips that you can go ahead and apply to your business principles that will help you to be successful in any economy. Again, any questions at any time, if you missed the first segment, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. But hang around and we'll be right back right after this. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com and see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review. Call toll-free 866-943-2351-866-943-2351. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and I'm joined today again with Rick Rellis. He is the Vice President of Leadership and Professional Development for Kohler, the Kohler Company, a great national brand and actually a global brand now. I mean, it's been for quite some time, been around since 1873 and just kind of really, really neat stuff. And by the way, if you want to go play golf in Whistling Straits, I got to tell you, it's a great place to go. There's out of there in Wisconsin. There's only about what, Nathan, about three sand traps, I think, on the course, right? I mean, I got to be honest with you. I went out there and I thought, whoo, boy, there is a lot of sand out here. I, you know, I love the beach. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. That's absolutely. why we have an office. Uh, one of our offices in here in, in Palm Beach, Florida. But, uh, you know, I love to be out of the beach when I'm on the golf course. So, Rick, <laughs> I'm sure you're probably always out of the beach whenever you're playing golf, right, Rick? I try to stay in the green, not on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Rick is a great golfer. Great okay. golfer. Uh, there you fair. go. So if, if you want to get some golf lessons, you know, Rick can talk to you about that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking this segment about advice for business owners. You know, maybe one advice that just comes to mind right away is the idea of focus. You know, it's one of the things that I think is important is making sure you create and set up your week. Focus days, buffer days, free days. And, you know, in all likelihood, in all reality, that golf, even mm -hmm. though as we, we joke, there's some value therapeutic really to that where you can kind of step away mm -hmm. and refresh, especially if you're in a high demand situation. And Rick, have you seen that to be the case where it's just sometimes where you just need to get away and kind of try to unplug as hard as it may be? Yeah, I think uh, any leader, if you're leading a business, especially higher up you go, you know, it's stressful. There's a lot going on. You have a lot of things to sort out. It's demanding. You know, a good thing for me, I went to uh, Center for Creative Leadership years ago, and they really impressed upon me that you need balance in work and life. So whether you got to have some time for yourself, your family, community, and your professional life should all be in balance, those four elements. I never forgot that. So I think you do need to step away a little bit. And the other thing, Michael, is if you do that, afford yourself some time that way you make better decisions when you're back in the professional realm yeah you're clear you're clear thought clear mind and you can make a decision based on not emotion or being stressed but you've actually had some time to kind of really filter through and think through but what are some leadership lessons or some different things that you've seen so if somebody's out there you rick and nathan i'm going to ask you guys this you know where you know they own a business maybe wildly successful could be a multi-billion dollar business could be a couple hundred million could be smaller you know but they're out there and they want to be in a situation where they want to grow to the next level what would be some maybe fundamental principles that folks could apply to their life that would help them to be able to kind of move forward 
Uh, yeah, well, I'll take a crack at that. I'll maybe share a couple, some few things I've learned. One, I think any business leader, if you're successful or as you're growing, you've got to put down what your guiding principles are for your business and then communicate that to the organization, especially in growth mode so everyone has that reference. You know, at Kohler, we always talk about living on the leading edge of design and technology, and we preach a single level of quality in everything we do. Those things resonate, and we always use that as a frame of reference. And especially if you're in a high-growth business, you've got to be able, to, especially at the leadership level, to write those things down and reference them. So I think that's important. That's a good fabric for your business overall. But you've got to be careful, too, with business advice. I think business advice sometimes winds up being like horoscopes, you know, very general and over-promising solutions. So you've got to be careful. You're not, you know, looking for the management of the day philosophy, you know, and the media sometimes overhypes a lot of different things. You know, simple answers to complex problems in business don't really exist. So if you're a business owner, I would say, you know, give the issue the respect that it needs inside your business. Take the time, get people's input, customer input, and then act based on that. Don't look for a silver bullet. There really isn't one. And uh, any short-term gain is really not a long-term plan. So short-term gains are just steps along the way. And you always should be able to adapt. And if you can adapt your organization, you can be successful long-term because things do change. You know, I read the other day that the amount of information in the world, I think, doubles every year and a half. Yeah, it's crazy. That's the world we live in. Things are changing. There's a lot of influences all the time. I think another thing I would say is you've got to utilize metrics to manage and pay attention to those, but don't get overwhelmed by everything. You'll still get back to the core element that defines your business and make sure you're the best at it that you can be. Yeah, Rick, you know, I think that's a great point. And, you know, one of the things, I don't know, a dynamic maybe, Nate, we'll, we can talk about this a little bit. I think sometimes some companies are in a situation where a lot of times, you know, the person that initially starts the company usually is, you know, an entrepreneur type nature, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're in a situation right. where oftentimes they're even the out front person. You know, they're sales type people, et cetera. And some of the detailed stuff, they don't necessarily do a great job at it. Right. And so sometimes as the businesses grow, I think some companies forget to continue to reevaluate where they are, mm-hmm. repositioning, who should be in certain key roles, et cetera. And so maybe, as Rick said, they're not giving the appropriate time to those issues or problems. What do you see in relation to uh, leadership lessons for folks that you've seen over the years in, in really managing talent? Yeah, well, I guess I, I would just jump back a little bit to that balance piece. So your strength is that entrepreneurial, outgoing person that can really be the face of the organization. And your organization gets to the point where it needs somebody to, you know, deal with the details, the day-to-day tasks, and that may not be your strength. What are you doing to go find somebody that can really be that person for you? And realizing it's an investment, you might have to bring somebody on board and that's an expense, it's cost. But the other flip side of that is what's the cost if you don't, you know? So making sure you have the right people in place is going to be a great way to ensure that the balance is kept for the person that really is going out there, maybe beating the streets and really getting the business and is the face of the organization. So keeping that balance is key. And by the way, folks, at any time, if you've missed the first couple parts of the segment or you want to hear other shows from the archive, so to speak, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. That's leanonthewall.com and click on the Wealth and Health Show. Any other questions about Kohler, their background, setting up tea times? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> going to the PGA Championship, uh, the Ryder Cup coming up in 2020, whatever. Feel free to visit Kohler, K-O-H-L. 
L-E-R.com. And, you know, that makes me think, Nate, what you're saying, and Rick had mentioned a lot about the idea of balance mm -hmm. and some of these other leadership lessons and principles. I love the uh, thought that says a goal properly set is halfway reached. You know, I think sometimes people are in a situation where they set goals, they have desires, they want to grow their business, they want to grow their brand, they want to do things. And, you know, they just kind of feel like if they look at the picture long enough or if they look at what they think is going to be long enough, mm -hmm. that they're just going to naturally get there. And unfortunately, that's not the case. It's got to be that's why, you know, goal is a start, but the idea is, you know, now is when the work really comes in. And what have you seen over the years, Rick, as far as continuing the process of updating goals in different divisions, kind of, you know, what's maybe a good suggestion or a thought for a business owner is, as far as this is a time, you know, to reevaluate, you know, where you were five years ago, this is where you were a year ago, but now we need to restructure our mission statement, our, our focus, you know, and that type of thing, guiding principles, if you will, as you mentioned. Well, you know, a couple of things on that. I agree with you on setting a goal. The goal's got to be realistic, so the organization has to believe in them too. So you need feedback from the organization in setting them. If it's just top down, that won't work because they have to own the goals too if you're going to succeed. And they should be realistic. Check your history. You know, we always look at five years worth of history and then we look five years out. That's our approach strategically to business and then our financial plans work around that. So I think, you know, have some structure for how you go at it and make sure your goals are smart goals that people believe in. But if you get the goals aligned with the purpose, you know, I think somebody said once, you know, people work hard for a paycheck. They work harder for a boss they love, but they work hardest for a purpose they believe in. And I think there's some truth to that. If you can align the purpose with the goals, that's a powerful thing. Yeah, that's huge. That That is huge. Have you seen that, Nate, as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Getting somebody motivated by what it is the organization mm -hmm. believes in, where they're headed, really important. I think that's one of the things I appreciate about the Kohler company is we have some guiding principles, our mission statement that are core. They're not going to change. They're how we operate and function. Our strategy is going to change. Our markets are going to change. Where we are in the world is going to change. But you've got to have that anchor to keep you on the straight and narrow path. So I think it's absolutely critical. Is there anything, Rick, that you've seen, you know, large companies that have kind of some pitfalls where they've kind of made some decisions or some thoughts? Nothing in general. We're not going to talk about company specific, obviously, but just the idea of, you know, maybe some things that they have missed or neglected that has caused them to maybe not necessarily have some of the growth that they could have had. Well, a couple things. And, you know, you can look at some of the fast-moving industries, tech sectors and things like that, but change you know, there's a lot of change and things move quickly. So sometimes companies, I think, read their own headlines too long and sometimes that gets them in trouble and they don't recognize the rate of change around them. So I spoke about adapting before. I think the Army does a nice job of training folks in adaptability. And, you know, when you're in the battlefield, it's a competitive environment out there. You got to see what's going on and, you know, have to adjust a little bit as you go, but still remain true to your guiding principles and your competitive advantage. You know, I mentioned headlines, don't read your own, but everybody thinks they have the best value proposition, the best customer service, et cetera, and they talk about it that way, or the best technology. I think we got to get over that kind of thing, you know, just tooting your horn on that in the business world. You know, consumers are smarter than that now. Consumers believe other consumers as much as anything, and they are skeptical when it comes to marketing claims and overreaching. So I think you really got to be honest about what you're good at and communicate that to the consumers in an honest, ethical way. I remember a long time ago, I was on the book, I used to sell books door to door. And they always used to tell us, you know, this kind of gets into tuning your own horn, that sort of thing. But I remember they always used to tell us that if you're focused on what you did yesterday, you probably have not done much today. <laughs> right. And I always used to remember that, you know, that was one of the tough, that was probably one of my incubators, really, you know, just kind of going door to door for three summers and 
you know, feeling that emotional situation. It was it was quite a crazy time. But well, folks, next segment we are going to talk about the idea of how to create a culture of excellence. Again, the Kohler Company in America has been a premier brand for a long time since 1873. That's a long time, and they've really created a lot of niches and a lot of great markets, a lot of new things. They're first to market and a lot of different things. And so we're going to talk about how to create that culture of excellence in your business, how to create it, sustain it, share it to the public around, so to speak, so people can see what you've done and why you do what you do on a continual basis while staying true to your core philosophies and principles. So you're not going to want to miss that. Hang around and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com. And to see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review, call toll-free 866-943-2351. That's 866-943-2351. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and I'm here in studio with Nathan Lehman. He's actually the Leadership Talent Manager for Kohler, and we have uh, Colin Rick Rellis. He is really the Vice President of Leadership and Professional Development at Kohler. He's been there over 30 years. Most of you are familiar with the Kohler Company, and if you're just tuning in now and you missed the first couple segments, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. Again, that's leanonthewall.com, and you can click on the Wealth and Health Show, and you'll be able to go ahead and listen to some of the other segments from the show talked about a lot of great things including lessons learned from business experiences we also discussed how to have success in the new economy what that looks like not only domestically but globally last segment we discussed the idea of advice for different business owners leadership lessons how to have guiding principles and really creating an organization that is going to win in any economy in this segment we want to take a minute and take a few minutes really and just talk about the idea of how to create a culture of excellence you know i mentioned a little bit last segment that kohler has been around since 1873 and it's amazing you know if you go to most of the high-end resorts and hotels, resorts, or whatever you want to call them, if you will, places, destinations, golf resorts, and just, you know, the Ritz and a lot of Trump's facilities and all these things, you're going to see Kohler products. And the reason they're there is because they are a premium brand. And that doesn't happen overnight. You know, I love the quote that says it takes a long time to create overnight success. <laughs> you know, and at the end of the day, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. But they have created and they're continuing to create a culture of excellence. And one of the things that we wanted to discuss here is the idea of how do you continue to create that culture of excellence. I know Kohler, one of the things that they're a proponent on, and I only know this because Nathan just so happens to be a relative, so I have a little insight to what they're excited about, and that is hiring from within. They see the value in that. And Nate, I know that you've had that experience a little bit, almost a little bit of a, call it a Cinderella story, if you will. Tell right. us a little bit about you know your story and what that looked like, and why does that matter as far as creating that culture of excellence in your opinion? Yeah, so when you were talking a little bit about creating a culture of excellence, immediately went to people. You know, getting the right people, right folks in place, 
recognizing that talent and giving people opportunity. So I have a little bit of a different background. Went to school to be in full-time church ministry. Did that for seven years as a youth pastor. Really enjoyed that. Needed a change after seven years and ended up starting at the Kohler Company. They didn't really know what to do with someone that had a bachelor's degree in Bible and theology and a master's, <laughs> de- a master's degree in religion. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit different than what yeah. they're normally looking for. So I got a job in the customer service organization. The thing that I've really appreciated about Kohler is that they recognize talent and they give people an opportunity. If you raise your hand, if you work hard, you're going to get that opportunity to advance and grow. And that's certainly been my story. I've been very blessed over the 10 years I've been at Kohler to have those different experiences. And I think that's the one of the key ingredients for success for any organization is find that talent. Don't look for that cookie cutter necessarily. Don't look for somebody that fits everything exactly the way that you would like to see. Keep your eye out for something different. And then, and I guess in some regards, that was my experience. And even Rick on the phone, I mean, he's had a number of different roles as well. Getting people, growing them up in the organization helps them learn the culture, helps them understand what makes the business tick. What a great benefit and what a great asset. And Rick, what have you seen from that perspective? Obviously, you've been there for 30 years now. You've had key roles in major divisions and growing brands for Kohler and really kind of quite extensive uh, uh, success there. Have you seen that to be the case? And and in addition to that, what have you seen? Yeah, no, I have. We will always look internally first. And a lot of what Nate and I are measured on is uh, developing people and leaders for the next role. So you definitely need to know your talent. It's not a transactional thing. It's an investment in the future. And you're only as good as your people. You know, because people, your people as a company that you have, that's what's unique about you. And it's really the only thing a competitor cannot duplicate. I learned that years ago. I mean, cost position can be duplicated. Strategy, it can be duplicated. The makeup of your people, that cannot. And I think the thing that we do at Kohler that also helps with that and all of our people know we have four core competencies. Everybody knows them. We all talk about them. First is build trust. The second one is set high standards of performance, and we're very performance-oriented. Third is drive continuous improvement. We love to innovate. We love to get better. And the fourth thing is focus on the end customer. And everybody knows those four. So you have the combination of great people, four core competencies, very powerful. Yeah, that's great. I'll tell you, so, you know, the idea of folks out there, you know, if you're, whether you have a large business, small, or, you know, multi-billion dollar company like Kohler, you know, you're really in a situation where the people make up who you are. And we know that. But I think sometimes people can take their eye off the ball. You know, they're in a situation they got distracted by the lady eating popcorn in the stands, you know, at the game. And, you know, they took their eye off the ball and they threw a wild pitch or whatever it may be. We want to make sure that in business, we're in a situation where we continue to have the people in place to find that. How much of that would you say comes from the idea of, of really looking to, or let me ask it this way, does most of your hiring come primarily internally? Is, is that the real goal? I mean, I know you want to promote and that culture, but do you ever go outside the organization? Do you see it? Most of what you see is comes from within. Yeah. I mean, you know, we do the right mix of both. We always want to attract the right talent, especially in uh, areas or functions we need, you know, help to improve or innovate. You know, we always want to look within and promote and, we, you know, we develop our folks continually and talk about that all the time. But it's the right mix of both, especially if we're going to grow globally or in a global environment. You know, as we go into new markets around the world, we want to get the best talent that's available there so we can be successful. Yeah, that's a great point. And Nate, you were kind of shaking your head there. Have you seen that globally as far as really entering those new global markets? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's absolutely critical. You got to get the right people on the ground in those locations. It, it's a, 
a little bit arrogant to think you can send somebody from Kohler, Wisconsin, uh, <laughs> right. to Brazil or to South Africa yeah. and just say, hey, we're here to build a business and just do it our way. So mm -hmm. we're really big on hiring folks in those cultures, understand the culture, understand the language. It's really important to, to bring that kind of talent on board. Mm -hmm. So it's almost the key to unlock that door, you know, that culture almost, because you're there and they've been there, they've lived there, they know it, they understand it, and you can gain, a part of it just kind of gaining uh, and being a sponge to them as far as what matters to that culture. Right? Absolutely. As you do a lot of research. Rick, what else would you say that you've seen over the years as far as creating a culture of excellence that Kohler has done a great job at that you have seen implemented over the years, uh, being there over 30 years now? Yeah, you know, some things I've learned relative to what works in culture or people or people practices. I could relate, maybe your listeners will like, but I, you know, I think you got to have a, you have to have a blameless environment. So what I mean by that is, you know, organizations, people can waste a lot of time on that. You want candor, as Nate said earlier, and you want it to come out and people can't be afraid to do that. And if you have a blameless environment, people will come forward. You'll get honesty and you can act on it. I also like, number two, I like a flat organization. Especially if you're a leader, everybody knows the buck stops with you when it comes to decision-making. You'll have the final say because of authority. But, you know, the flatter the organization, especially changing in today's demographics, today's workforce, it's expected. You know, social media encourages it. Everybody communicates real-time, on-time, all the time. Flatter organization, I think, they get things done quicker and faster. I think another thing that works in a culture, it's old Tom Peters thing, but it works great, is that you've got to be on the lookout and catch people doing something right. That's very powerful in an organization. Find people doing things right, and that also will encourage a blameless organization. People will want to succeed. And then we're talking about the right mix of promoting internally and hiring from the outside. Uh, one thing that's always worked for me is to hire and promote happy people. <laughs> you know, you laugh, but they do great work, and that, yeah. that will affect your culture in a very, very positive way. Conversely, if you got poor performers, you have a duty as a leader to you know, move them on, move them out, because they eat up your time and energy, and it's, they're really not good for the culture. And the boss has to really manage that. Um, if you want a positive culture ongoing, you got to keep it positive. Yeah, so really hiring hiring the right people, promoting happy people, it's amazing. Uh, you know, taking responsibility, I think, as a leader is huge. I, I always like to use the analogy. Obviously, you know, we help uh, folks manage their wealth, and I always like to kind of help people look at it from the perspective of, you know, they are the CEO of their own company. And if they're getting advice or management or whatever it may be that they're not happy with the direction, quote unquote, that that company's going, it's their job as the CEO to make that change. And Nate, I know that you're in a situation where you've seen a lot of training over the years and kind of creating a lot of things as well for managers, per se, in higher level positions as well. And what else have you seen, Nate, as far as creating a culture of excellence now? I mean, you've been in the game there about 10 years. You've, you've had a great, great success over the time. But some of the things that you've seen implemented that's kind of caused you to kind of want to strive and want right. to grow. Now, I mean, naturally, you're a self-starter. Naturally, you're just kind of connected that way. And that's one of the things I think that Rick uh, mentioned, which yeah. is huge as, as a leader, is really kind of trying to find the right people. You can train people, but to find someone that's actually naturally motivated, et cetera, is important. But what have you seen that's, that's kind of caused you to want to step to the next level for that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I'll go back a little bit, tie it back to what we talked about earlier, and that, and that is the need for feedback. And Rick was talking about a blameless culture, a blameless environment, and really it's got to be okay for people to give bad news. If it isn't okay for people to give bad news in your organization, you're just setting yourself up for a tremendous challenge down the road, and it won't be that far down the road. So getting people used to feedback, getting people used to having that interaction and being able to talk about the difficult things, I don't think there's probably anything more important in an organization right now than that. 
Rick, you've probably seen over the years as leaders move up, it's probably harder for them sometimes to take that feedback depending on the situation, if they're in maybe an arrogant role or, you know, that can happen. I mean, you have a lot of high position, key position. You kind of think, hey, you know, I got it. I'm doing it right. I'm not making mistakes, so to speak. But, you know, keeping those people around you, which you said earlier in the show is good. By the way, folks, if you missed the first couple of segments, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com to learn more and listen to those additional segments. But what have you seen in relation to that, Rick, as far as feedback? We're, we're almost uh, just a few minutes here left, but how valuable is that that you've seen over the 30 years at Kohler? Well, it's critical. Feedback gets a lot of airtime these days and culture discussions about companies, too. I like balanced feedback. So a little positive and then a little maybe that, you know, on the harsher side or you know, critical side needs to be said. But, you know, the associates are good if they see that feedback is balanced. Typically, it works very, very well. And you mentioned a moment ago about, you know, leaders and when they go higher up in the organization, you just have to be honest with yourself as a leader. The higher up you go, the more problems you have to deal with. I mean, you can't be an expert on everything, so you got to stop trying to be an expert on everything. And that shows vulnerability, by the way, and associates like that. They want to help a boss that way. That facilitates and helps them be successful. So there's nothing wrong with showing a little vulnerability at the top. It's very powerful for the culture. And culture is critical in companies to survive and do well. You know, I think I read the other day that, you know, 70% of companies fail because the culture isn't right. We all know acquisitions, number one reason they don't work out is because the culture isn't aligned. So culture is very, very powerful. And the leader, it starts at the leader and the founder in the company. A little bit of vulnerability, good dialogue between associates and the folks at the top, that's critical. And a key thing to remember when feedback, I guess, last thing is just uh, you know, don't. You know, we have this saying we use: Q-tip, Q-T-I-P, quit taking it personally. And that way, you have you can have good feedback, and you know everybody knows that you know no damage done, and you can stay positive, and it should be positive. In the end, as a leader, you got to be optimistic. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. You know, business is business, and friends are friends. If you know, let's let's kind of be focused and be honest. I love the idea that you know that you mentioned there. You can't be an expert on everything. So, but hey, we got to wrap up here. Our, our show is coming to an end. But Rick, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Absolutely, and Nathan, thanks again for joining us in studio. Absolutely, it's been great. And folks, that wraps up another segment, another show of the Wealth and Health Show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned lots. Stay tuned next week, same time, where you are going to not want to miss this next guest we're going to be having on, talking about some really exciting things. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, which I always like to say because, you know, the cat likes to stay in the bag. So join us again next week, and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Information provided during The Wealth and Health Show is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com and see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review. Call toll-free 866-943-2351, 866-943-2351.